Legal Toolkit with Jared Korea. With guests, Michelle Calcott-King. We frankly just talk a lot about succession on this one. But then, maybe, we'll get to our segment where we guide you to one of life's great treasures. But first, your host, Jared Korea. All aboard. It's the Legal Toolkit Podcast pulling into the station. I hope you've got your ticket, because if not, I can get surly like Tom Hanks on the Polar Express. Don't fuck with me. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though my spud wrench may be used to do stuff with potatoes. I don't really know. I'm your host, Jared Korea. You're stuck with me because Wayne Brady was unavailable. He was busy being even whiter than I am. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. Schedule a demo to check out our new e-signature tool at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today with Michelle Calcott-King of Reputation, Inc., I need to unburden myself about how sad I am that succession is now over. So I'm about to spoil the fuck out of succession. If you haven't seen the show through to its conclusion yet, just skip to the guest interview. Unless, that is, you don't care about being spoiled. The best thing I've done this year, by about a country mile, was when I texted my wife during one of her business meetings, Logan is dead. Now, my wife doesn't watch Succession, and she assumed that someone we knew had died. So she rushed out of the meeting to call me. She was really mad. I'd like to think that that was kind of a reflection of the impact of Succession. Kind of like when the Waystar Royco stock tanked when Logan actually died on the show. I told my wife that, and she said I was a fucking idiot. So if you haven't seen any of it, Succession is about a fictional family, the Roys, who own the fictional company Waystar Royco, and they're pretty obviously based on Rupert Murdoch and his family and their holdings, including a Fox News stand-in called ATN, which plays a major role in the series. Logan's the dad. You already know he dies. But the show starts with him having a health crisis, and so all his kids are jockeying for position and trying to figure out who's going to take over the company. Logan has four kids. Connor, who's a total shithead and not interested in the family business at all. Uh, He later marries an escort. He's played by Alan Ruck, who you may remember as Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Kendall is the second son. He's a fuck up. I can't get out of his own way. Yet he's probably the most suited for the CEO position, if I'm being honest, even though he is a drug addict and kills a dude during the show's run. Uh, Yeah, the bar is pretty low. Roman is the youngest brother who was beaten and traumatized by his father as a child, maybe even kept in a cage, it's alluded to in the show, and so he's all kinds of fucked up. He's sort of a wannabe sexual deviant who can't actually fuck anything. He's played by Macaulay Culkin's younger brother, Kieran, who was the kid in Home Alone who always peed the bed, so maybe that tracks. Shiv is Logan's oldest daughter and youngest child, uh, oldest daughter, how about only daughter? And she's kind of a ball buster. She has political expertise, but not a lot of experience in managing the family business. She's always out there seeking approval. 
And her husband, Tom, works at Waystar, too, in a real job. Kendall's divorced. Roman maybe has a kid and a mistress at the start of the show, but then that family disappears. So the entire show is really based around who's going to succeed Logan among his children and about the lengths they'll go or that Logan will have them go to to position themselves for taking the big chair. Now, Succession isn't my favorite TV show ever. I like several shows more. But it is a brilliant television series in its own right and has a lot to recommend it. Like that cast I just alluded to. Yeah, that's right. Ferris Bueller's best friend and Macaulay Culkin's brother are holding it down on the best TV show in the world. Brian Cox, who plays Logan Roy, is a Shakespearean actor who also happens to be the original Hannibal Lecter. Fun fact, he starred in Michael Mann's Manhunter in 1986. Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall, is fucking amazing in the show, even though his method acting style only makes sense dramaturgically and apparently really pissed off Brian Cox. Sarah Snook, who plays Shiv, is a really complete actress, and she communicates a lot simply using facial expressions. Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom, is maybe the best character on the whole show. Honestly, he's hilarious. He just crushes the one-liners time after time. He was Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice with some righteous sideburns, too. What's even more impressive is that while the show is scripted, it's heavily improvisational in practice, and the actors seem to play off each other really well. This makes dialogue seem natural pretty much at all times. And so it's no surprise that Succession is probably the most memeable show ever. And don't fret, we'll have more on the dialogue in Succession before we close the show. In fact, yes, we are embarking on a dramatic reading, so stay tuned. Even the supporting cast is great. Carl, the CFO, was the master of roasts this past season. Jerry, the chief legal officer and sometimes CEO, is kind of a savage and has an affair of sorts with Roman. Frank, the vice chairman, is Carl's best bud and is in and out of Logan's favor constantly. Well, so is everyone else, I guess. Cousin Greg is your favorite dipshit grifter suck-up, but his interactions as Tom's errand boy are the most consistently hilarious part of what Succession does. They even pull off these crazy casting tricks for minor roles, like the American cousin from Perfect Strangers is Connor's political advisor. Alexander Skarsgård rolls in as the CEO of Spotify. <clears throat> Excuse me, Gojo is what they call it. Adrian Brody is another tech CEO. Holly Hunter is a Waystar CEO at one point. James Cromwell is Logan's brother. Stephen Root is a religiously steeped political leader. Seriously, I'm leaving people out. But Succession has the most consistently excellent actors on probably any production ever, which is really what sets it apart. Now, I clearly love Succession, but it's been criticized too. Some people have trouble getting into the show in part because it profiles a bunch of assholes. And admittedly, the show takes about a season and a half or so, maybe a half season, to really take off for you to really get into it. But the first set of episodes is maybe B-plus versus A-plus, so there's not a tremendous difference there. And I mean, the I can't watch bad people on TV thing strikes me as kind of disingenuous when folks are out there watching shows like The Real Housewives of New Jersey. And these people are actors. So you're not going to read Othello because Iago is kind of a dick? Come on now. Also, have you ever heard of The Sopranos or Mad Men or Breaking Bad? Should I go on? And speaking of Shakespeare, I think Succession works so well because it's sort of like a stage play. It's like a modern Shakespeare play, in fact. And not like a cheesy modern reimagining of Shakespeare like Romeo and Juliet. 
Succession is like what Shakespeare would have written had there been no Shakespeare previously and he decided to create a show for HBO. Succession is affecting and compelling without hitting you over the head with its themes. They're not trying to make direct, obvious, and overt allusions to Shakespeare. Jesse Armstrong and the show's creative team are simply making deep observations about the world around them in much the same way that Shakespeare was writing Titus Andronicus for his modern audience without trying to make callbacks to Shakespeare. Some folks think Succession gets far more credit for being more intellectual than it actually is, but I think those people couldn't be more wrong. I don't think it gets enough credit for that. One of the reasons Succession is so profound is because of its restraint. And yet, there are clear echoes of Shakespeare in much of the show's plot, King Lear being the most obvious. Kendall has been seen as a perverse version of Prince Hal from Henry IV, Part Two. Richard III is illustrative of the Ken, Shiv, and Tom triangle and how it resolves. Julius Caesar is certainly inspiration for the funeral episode in the last season, featuring, as it does, two dueling eulogies. Tom and Shiv are the Macbeths. Lucas Matson sees his power like Fortinbras and Hamlet. Succession is Shakespeare without trying too hard, and that is right about in my wheelhouse as a former English major. But maybe the most impressive stroke of genius from the Succession team was that the show ended after only four seasons. And frankly, they could have done many more seasons. I was honestly sort of shocked that Succession ended as soon as it did. But because they ended on a high note, like George Costanza, the final season was totally insane. And they did some crazy shit that no one really expected. The entire season took place over the course of basically one and a half weeks, focusing on the most important stretch of the Roy siblings' lives and ratcheting up the pressure to 11. Logan was killed off in the third episode of the last season off-screen. That's kind of like a theatrical mechanism too, no? When most people were expecting him to live until closer to the show's end. It was kind of like how death occurs in real life too, fast, shocking, never enough words to convey the gravity of the situation, so... The rest of the season is, as Shiv calls it, a coronation demolition derby. And that's kind of perfect because there's corporate backstabbing and unexpected twists right up until the very end of the show, like literally the last five minutes. I honestly wish more shows would go out early rather than sticking around too late. So there's no unnecessary revenge fantasy coda like at the end of Breaking Bad. And the X-Files ends with Mulder still on the team. And there are fewer weaker episodes before Mad Men or The Sopranos ends on a strong note. Like Tim Robbins and Shawshank Redemption, Succession crushed its last season and finale by applying time and pressure. But you know what they say? You can't make a tomlet without breaking some Greggs. Let's find out more about what our sponsors can do for your busy law practice before we talk PR and marketing strategy with Michelle Calcock-King of Reputation, Inc., then stay tuned as we talk even more succession. That's right, we're not done yet, even if the show is finished. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Partner with Rankings.io 
the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit Rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Okay, let's get to the meat in the middle of this legal podcasting sandwich. Today's meat is uh, pepperoni, sausage, and ham, which matches my daughter's pizza order from last night, of which she only (laughs) ate one slice. Womp, womp, story of my life. (laughs) Michelle, how are you? I'm great. I'm going to intro people in a second as uh, I relay my relative domestic bliss. You just heard from our guest making her first appearance on the Legal Toolkit podcast. That's Michelle Calcote King, who's the principal and president, both those things, at Reputation Inc. Yeah. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yeah. Excited about this. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) I promise. I feel like that's a fair question. Uh. We were just talking before we started recording, and I think that, if I've read this correctly, you spent some time in Jacksonville, Florida? I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Which is like... Just gigantic. It is the largest city by land size in the United States. Okay, good. I, th- yeah. I thought I had heard that. Like, yeah. I have been in Jacksonville and have just been staggered by how big it is. And Yeah, it's super spread out. Yeah, I got lost. Ca- yeah, constantly. it causes a lot of problems, honestly. Yeah. yeah, like how do you find your way around? Do you leave like a trail of breadcrumbs or how's I, that work? Personally, I, uh, I, I'm i a bit of a, I, I stick to my little neighborhood and surround, okay. I, I have friends that joke that I never cross the bridge over to the, the beaches. Um, so <laughs> I live in a very a historic neighborhood right near downtown and I, I tend cool. to stick to that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you talk to anybody, Jacksonville is a decent place to live, but it's got a lot of problems compared to other cities and it all comes back to the fact that it is just so spread out that's um, wild yeah and your your neighborhood is probably like the size of texas i would guess um no my neighborhood is one square mile and that's what i'm saying i stick to that yes <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the safest way to do it all right yeah exactly let's talk about like legal related stuff yeah so you've been in the pr space for a while and i, yeah. I always think that i don't know a lot of law firms that hire pr Really? Agencies. No, hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong law firms. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, you found enough that you've been able to stay in business. So, yeah. like, why would a law firm hire a PR agency? From my perspective, it's a relatively rare thing to do. Yeah, interesting. Well, so w- it's a niche. So what we do is we work primarily with uh, B2B firms, so corporate firms. Right. So we don't we don't work with, you know, personal injury those kind of firms. And what we are primarily do, I would say the the majority of our work is getting thought leadership published for attorneys. So mm. kind of facilitating that process of getting them, you know, quoted in, you know, in articles, writing articles, a big portion of it is writing articles, um, getting them appearing on podcasts, uh, and then a lot of award submissions. And I know that kind of gets there's a lot of negatives around awards, but it's a big credibility enhancer for firms. So things like chambers, submissions, um, all the Law 360 profiles, the National Law Journal, America, you know, ALM, they, they do a lot of 
looking for attorneys who specialize in this area or have done big work in this, you know, area, that kind of thing. So it's more, it's thought leadership and awards, which form the bulk of our work. And it's a pretty, like for law firms, especially your corporate firms, your traditional business firms, mm-hmm. the ones we work with, that's the majority of the marketing that they do. They don't do all the SEO and, you know, email marketing and stuff that you would kind of associate with traditional marketing. They're, they're just publishing articles and getting, making sure they're kind of positioned in those um, awards and profiles of attorneys doing the kind of work that they want to be known for doing. Yeah, let's talk about awards because that gets derided quite a yeah. bit, as you as you know. Yeah. So if I wanted to be like, I was a Vermont attorney and I wanted to be the cabbage cheese man of the year, like I would come to you or something like that. So like, how complicated is that process? It's, you know, it's kind of, sh- I, I say it's straight. Not award, that but particular I've, award, but like right, awards it's, generally. It's what I've been doing my entire career. So I, I, I try to recall <laughs> like, that easy. it's not, right. It's, <laughs> it's basically looking at, so we track all the, all the uh, legal awards. So we, tr- we put out a newsletter once a month that say, you know, here, and we'll track every practice area, every geography that we can that say, you know, uh, the New Jersey uh, legal awards are coming out for ALM and they're looking for the top energy attorneys or the top whatever practice area that they're looking at. And so right. it's basically looking at the submission requirements and writing a compelling piece that positions them as the the one. to. And, and we kind of know what these publications are looking for because most of them are, are published by publishers. So they're looking for a good story. So we kind of help. We kind of work with attorneys and kind of go, well, that's not, you know, can we build this into a bigger story? Is there something more? We'll try to kind of pick apart what's, what might be interesting. Mm. Um, because, you know, we're thinking about it from that media perspective. Attorneys aren't. So we do that process and we kind of go back and forth. And it's, it's, a, it's a write-up. It's, you know, it's normally like a page or two saying, you know, and we're trying to kind of give the publication a reason to want to feature this law firm, you know, and in its work. And so we're kind of pulling apart and putting together that story. So, Hmm. um, yeah. That's interesting. So like, I think awards get a bad rap sometimes because I think people view them as like just pay to play. Yeah. And there's a lot of that kind of crap out there. But 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 not all of of them. Right. And then it sounds like there's a competitive process regardless. Yeah, Yeah. there really is. Yeah. There's a lot of really substantial ones. I mean, the biggie is Chambers. So we do those chamber submissions. Those are like many, many, many pages and that process. And uh, to be honest, I'm not a chambers expert because I haven't done one in years. Uh, my yeah. team does them. Yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah, but it's, it just it's, sounds like know, something a lawyer wouldn't want to do on his right. or her own. Yeah, yeah. So we do a lot of that kind of heavy lifting of um, and then my team knows, you know, well, they, they're, they're going to want to look at this kind of case for this reason or this isn't going to be interesting for this reason. So we're kind of helping figure out what's the compelling part of it and then we're writing it up. So, you know, a lot of a PR person's job is just to do the work uh, that a journalist would do um, on behalf of the client and serve it up right. to the journalist in a way that um, one, it makes their job easy, but also they go, oh, you know, my readers are going to be really interested in that. So, And I suppose it's a similar process when you're talking about trying to place lawyers as sources for totally. journalists, right? Because yeah. like, 
And there's different ways to do that too. Like I'm, sure, you know, people know about probably like the help a reporter out thing yeah. where you get the email and you basically yeah. pitch yourself to journalists. I know a lot of lawyers who get attention from journalists because of their Twitter profiles, but yeah. at any point you're like pitching yourself to the journalist, right? So you help attorneys with that as well. We do that. Like. Yeah. Okay. I, ca- I mean, I call that news jacking. I didn't come up with the term. News but jacking. That news sounds dangerous. I, I know. It's a little weird. It's basically the process of, I'll give you an example. I use this example a lot. It's the process of inserting yourself or the client into a story that they might not have had anything to do with. So I'll give you one of the best examples I have is we had a client who had a lot of experience doing special investigations. So they were on the Whitewater investigation. He led the investigation into an Alabama governor who ended up getting impeached over a scandal where he had an affair with a staffer in his office. and so, Typical you know, politics stuff, yeah. Right, <laughs> but he understands how these complex investigations work. So when the Trump-Mueller investigation came out and he wanted to build a reputation for being a leading expert in these kind of special investigations. So when the Trump-Mueller uh, investigation started, we went out to the media and said, hey, if you've got questions about this investigation... Here's a guy that was on, you know, Whitewater. He led this investigation. He mm. can help you like parse through why Mueller did this or what's about to happen or what it means and the context. So we do that initial introduction. And then each step of the investigation, we would go out with a, an email. We would get a couple of quotes from the the attorney. Hey, you know, Mueller did this today. Here's the impact. Here's what he might do next. Here's why. And so he got quoted widely throughout that. And honestly, we oh, kind of cool. work our we, yeah, we work ourselves out of a job a little bit because then he's the kind of go to guy <laughs> on a it's journalist. Context, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. On a journalist Rolodex. They know, OK, if I'm going to report on a story about this, this guy really helps me kind of clarify and understand that. And then, you know, and it's not just the media coverage is sort of like what you do with that. So then we package all that up. We put it on a page on the website. If anyone is Googling, you know, so let's say this guy now gets a referral for special investigation work. They're going to Google him and they're going to come up with a ream of him being quoted and CNBC and the Washington Post and, you know, New York Times. And they're going to go, oh, this guy, you know, so that's sort of how it plays into that credibility enhancer thing that is that sort of process of hiring a a firm or an attorney. Yeah, so we, we actually love doing that work. It's really fun. Um, and it's great whenever you've got an attorney who's good at it, you know, who can kind of quickly send you a quote or two and we can get it out and then they can get on the phone with the, the media and, right. and talk them through it. Because lawyers are sort of perfectly positioned for that kind of work, too, because the, you know, the media has to report on pretty complex legal stuff. They're not lawyers, so they need someone who can kind of break it down and, you know, give them the insight. So if I have a client who's good at you know, simplifying things, you know, giving a couple of quotes, walking journalists through that. Journalists love it. And then it kind of kind of becomes a, a beneficial relationship. And then that journalist has that like, you know, one that just Google history for when they are researched. OK, so that's all helpful. I'm yeah. kind of getting to understand now why a law yeah. firm would hire a PR firm. Let's talk about that content part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you talked a little bit about like ebooks or web content, like how does that work for you? Like, do you find that lawyers are willing to write stuff on their own, put stuff together? 
Or is it more like you're doing it? Or is it different for different lawyers? Yeah, it's different for different lawyers. So okay. I would say that lawyer one, unfortunately, I said this unfortunately. Unfortunately, lawyers see themselves as writers. Um, and uh, <laughs> I know we work with other professional services. Uh, so we work with architects, engineers, that kind of thing. And yeah. lawyers are the distinct grouping that says, you know, I'd rather take a, a stab at this first. I feel or, like you're trying to say they think they're good at writing. <laughs> it's just at least writing in a certain medium. Yeah, it's a different kind of writing. It's you know they they were taught a certain kind of writing for law school that just doesn't work well at all for the media. Doesn't work well at all for the internet. You know, right. it's very verbose and takes forever to get to the point, and you know that kind of thing. So we prefer to be the writers ourselves. I've got one former lawyer on my team, but convincing a lawyer that a non-lawyer can take a stab at a first draft of an article is often really difficult in, in a way that it's yeah. not difficult for an engineer or an architect. So that's been a struggle over the years. And, you know, so what we're often doing is going out to the media and saying, hey, this new law was passed or this regulation or this trend is happening. We think your readers would want uh, an article on this. I have this attorney who can write it. And because of how the media work, especially trade publications, they're very thinly staffed. They rely on what I call contributed content. So they want content right. written by people in the field doing the work. Um, yes. It's a real it's a real new model nowadays. So that's what a lot of PR people are doing really is kind of writing the content that goes into a lot of these media outlets. Not all of them. There's big mm. outlets like Law360 that are very well staffed and produce right. a ton of content on their own. But the smaller niche trade publications really rely they have maybe an editor or two who are really just sourcing content from you know the actual doers in the field and lawyers are really well positioned for that so often what we're doing is we're kind of figuring out the topic for the lawyer like oh you know sometimes they'll they'll present something and we're like well we need to make it a little more timely you know the news is all about what happened now so we sort of have to bring in the why are we talking about this now sometimes if it's yeah. not something new yeah 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 and then we're kind of doing that back and forth between the editor. We're looking at what are they, you know, what are the guidelines? They all have editorial guidelines. And then we're working with the attorneys. Often they are producing the first draft and we're editing it and kind of being that editor and the, the go between to get it to the final place. If we can write the first draft, we prefer that on the legal side of things doesn't always happen. So makes sense. And I guess the obvious question that everybody's probably asking themselves right now is like, who's writing content anymore? Why don't we just use AI to do everything? Yeah, no, right. So do you get that from um, attorneys? You, get you know, not I get that more from friends. Like, are you going out of business? You know. Um, <laughs> what caring, we do caring friends. Is yeah, your business imploding? Yeah, yeah exactly. No. <laughs> um, what we do is is not, you know, AI is very much so taking what is already existing out there in Google land and and regurgitating it. So we're creating I use this phrase called knowledge extraction. I borrowed it from another agency. We're taking what's in the heads of our clients and creating content. Um, and it's typically yeah. because of how the media works. It's new. It's new concepts. It's new ideas. It's new laws. It's new cases. It's, you know, so I think AI, and I'll be honest, I've got to really um, jump on it a lot more than I have. But I think AI will just be a tool in the way that the internet is a tool. I do it quick before it destroys humanity. Right. Yeah, exactly. I got one more question for <laughs> yeah. you. Obviously, like people are writing stuff, which is the traditional medium for getting into newspapers and traditional models. What about videos? Like, do you help firms with that? Do you think we that's do. a viable? Yeah, and, and what are we doing? Like long form stuff or is it like all TikTok at this point? 
I think it's more short form. Um, yeah. You know, with what lawyers do, a lot of it is uh, for one. I'm just I'm a big believer in podcasting. Uh, podcasting with video, it's just a yeah. fantastic Me way too. to tell the editors. Video. Yeah, Evan, are you listening to this? Yeah, Go ahead. Exactly. My own podcast has been a huge lead generator for us. So um, yeah. yeah, if I could get more lawyers to get on the podcasting bandwagon and and do that. Most of the video we're doing is more like bio videos where they're, you know, kind of talking a little bit about themselves, you know, what they do. Or Drop that a, on the website kind of thing. Yeah. Or it's a brand video where it's, it's what it's like to work here, you know, helping them with um, recruiting, that kind of thing. If I were advising a client around video, it would be more this kind of video where they're sharing insights um, right. around a timely topic. Because really the content that works well for law firms is where they're just showcasing their expertise and the only way to do that is you know by tackling topics that their clients are asking them and um so it's sort of sort of the same thing we're doing and feeding to the media they could be feeding directly to their own channels through video i thought we tackled some tough topics today thank you michelle for coming in absolutely glad to do it glad you have been running all over jacksonville and you're firmly ensconced in your one square mile one square mile yeah I appreciate it. So everybody will take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsor companies can do for you, including their latest offerings. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. That's right. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products and includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. Welcome to the rear end of the legal toolkit. That's right, it's the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. As you just heard, I'm really broken up about Succession ending. It was such a great show. So to try and cope with my loss, the loss of Logan and everyone else, I thought I would host my own version of Succession and have my kids read some of the best dialogue from the show. Hopefully they don't fuck this up like Kendall fucked everything up. Because one day I want to pass this podcast along to them and they need to be ready. Clearly they don't know how to podcast because they're opening packages while I try to record this. I'm afraid... They're not serious people. Now, let me just note that we'll be bleeping out what my kids say because we don't want them to be actually swearing. I'm not a monster. I have them using fudge for fuck, etc. 
All right, now that that's done, I'm going to bring them in. Okay, guys, you know I like the show Succession, and now it's over. But one of the reasons I like the show so much is that it had great dialogue. So I wanted to clip some of that dialogue and have you read it, mostly out of context. Joe, let's start with you. You got the first one. I've never made it this high in the f***ing building. They stuck me in L.A. with old father time. We we were the pool boys, right? Frank f***ing Banana Cabana. <laughs> you know who drinks milks, cans, and pulvers? I'm going to take a sh- Want me to live stream it? They just beat Caddy, but the king's my daddy. It's like Jaws, if everyone in Jaws worked for Jaws. His crew knows some unseemly venues. I danced with an old man. Yeah, he didn't want to dance, and they made us dance. He was so confused, I drank things that aren't normally drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me, but... Are we talking to each other on the poop deck of a majestic schooner? It's a salty brine stinging my weather-beaten face. No? Then why the f*** are you wearing a pair of deck shoes, man? My hunch is that you are going to get f***ed. Because I've never seen you get a lot, and I've never seen Logan get f***ed once. Oh, pretty good. <laughs> you deserve the Emmy. Your earlobes are thick and chewy like barnacle meat. Do you outscore your f***ery? You got <laughs> you got your right brain for your TED Talks. Your left brain for your killings. If you can't ride two horses at once, you shouldn't be working at the circus. Oh, sh- Deniability is a difficult given. She has so much of your blood. I don't care what you think. You're a tribute band. Oh, snap. Are you Scooby-Dooing me here? Is that where you went? Hannah Barberi <laughs> Business School? That was amazing. If you want to find out more about Michelle Calcott King and Reputation Inc., visit rep-inc.com. That's R-E-P-I-N-K.com. Rep-inc.com. Now, for those of you listening in Sop Choppy, Florida, I've got a Spotify playlist for you featuring songs about business because that is what the Roys are all about. Not when they're not being complete assholes to each other. Now, sadly, I've run out of time today to talk about how to find the clitoris. So you're on your own there. This is Jared Korea reminding you that you're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. And now you're just married to the ex-boss's daughter and she doesn't even like you. And you are fair and squarely fucked. But you might still be named CEO after you volunteer to become a paint sponge. That seems like a fair trade. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring, and firing 
and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.